Amen. Children, you are dismissed to head to Children's Chapel. Thank you, sir. All right, if you have your Bibles, if you would please take your Bible with me as we say our Bible decree here at New Hope. We are a New Testament Bible-believing church, and um, we believe we can't do life without the Word of God. Amen? So uh, we need that. Uh, Let's raise our Bible high as we say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. What a great reminder to each and every one of us as we uh, continue to live out our Christian life. I know for many of us, we get real tired and exhausted and, you know, it becomes very difficult, you know, within our, uh, our, our daily activities and we run out of fuel and we, we just can't find enough unction in our junction to get to get going. And so, you know, we need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. And this series that I've been going through is is truly talking about what does the authority of Christ look like and how can we practice it in our life? You know, I, I think many times in regard to this message uh, and, and this series that I'm going through, it reminds me oftentimes of going to a gas station. You pull into a gas station for a purpose. The purpose to pull, in, pull into the gas station is to pull your car up at the station to get some. Nice. I just started and nobody's with me. We go to the station to get, I heard snacks, I heard fuel, I heard all kinds of things, I don't know. But we go to the station to get gas. I just want to help you out here. It's called a gas station where you fill up to get some fuel, okay? So anyhow, uh, you know, yes, it is true. I used to love when we went on vacation. Up here I go again. This wasn't in my message, but I'm just going to share with you. We go on vacation. I would always tell the girls, I was like, all right, girls. Now, when we, 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 you know, pull up here, I'm going to get gas. You go shopping. Why in the world? When I was a kid back in 1910, candy bars were 10 cents. Right? No, I'm t- in the 70s, candy bars were 25 cents. I could get my whatchamacallit for cheap. Now they want $2.75 for a whatchamacallit? I was like, are you kidding me? So I'd go in there, and the girls were always excited because that was just part of vacation. That was just the, the enjoyment part of vacation, right? You get to go. You get to you know, get all these things, and they would be like, hey, Dad, is it okay if I get this, that, and the other? And I'm like, sure. And uh, I was always a little bit shocked. Even though we made this fun, you know, you budget for vacation, and Becky always made egg salad. We always had, you know, food, you know, in the vehicle and so on and so forth. But there was nothing better than stopping at the gas station. And uh, because, you know, you can eat, but you always have room for junk food. Isn't that bizarre how our body just craves that? And um, so anyhow, I get up to the, the counter, and before you knew it, Excuse me, sir, that'll be $75.50. Oh, for the fuel? No, that was for the candy. That's what I figured. Isn't that how it always works, right? And so, you know, when you, when you think about going to the gas station, that's really what it's about. But anyhow, when you pull into the gas station, you get fuel. But here's the reality of it. You go in, 
And uh, there was a time here just a few years ago when you could pull into the gas station and fill your car up. That was when gas was a lot less money than it is right now. Amen? Do I hear your name in up in there? Anyhow, so we go in and we get filled up. But, you know, so as, as I get to the gas station, you fill it up and it's just, it's just taking all your money, all of your cash, your firstborn and everybody else in the, in the family because that's how much gas is. But the purpose of going to the gas station is to fill up the car. As soon as you pull out of that gas station, you're already burning that fuel. And as soon as you head down the road, you start watching the gas gauge and it starts to become depleted. But I believe that we've become so intellect in our, in our knowledge today that we no longer have to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That we don't have to go to church any longer. Because you see, at St. Mattress, we can get filled up and not go to church. I'm here to tell you, as I've been speaking on this series of messages, we need the authority of Jesus Christ. I come to church because it's just like this. When I walk in this building to gain information, I leave being transformed, right? But I know that as soon as I get in the car, that I'm already starting to, be, to burn up some of that fuel that I felt within the sanctuary of praise and prayer, right? And so our life is much like that. And in this series of messages, I want us to actually conclude, you know, in the next several weeks, filling full. And the only way that you'll fill full is if you continue to come and you're faithful. And so that when you walk away, you're able to take on the tribulations, the trials of this earthly life. Because we are faced with a lot of hardship and it's difficult. And if you think that you can face it in your own power, that's a lie. You cannot do it. You need Jesus Christ. Last week when I concluded my message in John chapter 4, verse 4, in the latter part of that verse, it says this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Right? Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. In order to get through life, we have to have something greater than ourselves. And who is that? Jesus. God. That's exactly right. So that's exactly what we need. Greater. Not less, but greater. We claimed that the power that's in you, remember, and we said this together, and you can see it up on, on the screen, we claim that the power that's in you is greater than the power that's in the world. Because the power that backs our authority is greater than that which backs our enemies. Do you embrace that? In Matthew chapter 28 verse 18, in this verse where the word authority should have been used instead of power, I want to point it out to you because in the King James Version in Matthew 28:18, and it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's in the New King James Version. But if you were to read it in the KJV, it actually says all power. But yet, he transcends it and it's interpreted authority. All authority is given unto me. And where? Heaven and in earth. When Christ descended, 
He transferred his authority to the church. He is the head of the church, and we as believers make up the body. Christ's authority has to be perpetuated through his body, which is on the earth. I like that in Ephesians, as we've been reading in Ephesians and elsewhere in the epistles, Paul uses the human body as an illustration of what? The body of Christ. Christ is seated. Where is, where is Christ seated? Right. At the right hand of the Father. The place of authority. And we are seated with him. And we are seated with him. I'll get into that. So if you know anything about history, you know that to sit at the right hand of the king or the right hand of the president means authority. We died with Christ. We were raised with him. This is not something God is going to do in the future because he's already done it. You hear what I'm saying? He's already done it. Amen. So before I go into our first point, we are resurrected with Jesus and we sit with him at the right hand. Pastor, are you sure about that? I'm going to read it in the word this morning. But before we do that, can I just have a word of prayer with you? Father, open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our understanding so that we understand really what our role and responsibility is as Christians. Father, I think sometimes we, we rely too much on maybe the pastor or a deacon or the pastor's wife or deacon's wives or those in leadership, when in reality, Father, we, we have to understand that all power and authority comes through you. And so, Father, we thank you for uh, being able to use us uh, in this capacity here on this side of eternity. On this side of heaven. And so, Father, I pray that you'll continue to fill us up to overflowing. Father, help us to continue to show the love of Christ in our daily walk and in our lives. Lord, encourage us today. Help us to stay focused in the next few minutes as we look into your word. Father, fill me with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Point one, God's mightiest work. God's mightiest work. If you have your Bible, if you will, please turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Ephesians 1, verses 18 through 23. And the reason why I wanted to go back and revisit this is because I believe that it's very, very important in our walk with Jesus. So in verse 18, it reads, and let's follow along together. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Where are the riches? Now, I want you, if you will, please circle riches in, in your Bible. If you've, you have an electronic device, you can highlight it, underline it, whatever you have. But what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now, also highlight it, underline toward us. In the KJV, you probably have us word, you know, that's in there. You can, you know, it's talking about us in plural toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above, far above all 
principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come. Hallelujah. Think about that. That's powerful right there in his word. And then in verse 22 it says, And he put all things under his what? He put it under his... He put it under his... Right, he put it under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So watch what Paul is saying here. Because all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I like there that we start to receive the power as a believer. And as a Christian, we realize and we see here that that is the resurrection power that we have. Notice especially in the 19th verse here. And it says this, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? In other words, there was such an overwhelming display of God's power in raising Jesus from the dead that this actually was the mightiest work of God ever recorded. Amazing when you think about it. The resurrection was opposed by Satan and all of his cohorts. However, his forces were confused and defeated by our Lord Jesus Christ, who arose, who ascended, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, far above them all. You want me to read that again? I will. Go ahead. You can put that up there. The resurrection was opposed by Satan... I don't know what just happened. And all his cohorts, however, his forces were confused and defeated by our Lord Jesus Christ, who arose, ascended, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, far above them all. Thank you. Hallelujah. Woo! Wow. Maybe I should have worn my sneakers today. I don't know. I could have ran around the building. Do you know who we're talking about here? This is Jesus. He's not just above one thing. He's not above two things. He's above all things. It says far above them all. Wow. Let's go to the altar. No, just kidding. Remember that even in the text of Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, it says this. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he which is Christ, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. So why are we here today? Because as Jesus triumphed over that, we as Christians get to celebrate the victory that's found in living in Christ, through Christ, the resurrected life. Amazing, isn't it? Now, you know I didn't just come up with that. That's here in the Word. Because I'm leading up to something here. You see, these are the same demonic powers we have to deal with. But thank God Jesus defeated every one of them. Other translations say this. He put them to naught or he paralyzed them. 
You see, God in his sovereignty wants to change the natural order of things. We know what they are here, but do you know what they are there? Do you understand when we embrace Christ, the heavenlies, we know where he's at, we know that we are his children and we're saved by his grace, but I think we're limited by the power of understanding the authority that we have as Christians. So this morning, I want you to put on your glasses to see his resurrection power. You see, I think we're blinded. You know, like a lot of times if I take off my glasses, that's because I have to read here. But if I look up to look at my PowerPoint, I can't see a thing. It's all blurry, and I can't even see your faces. I don't know what's happening as I get older. It's just getting worse. I think I probably need to get that LASIK surgery. What do you think? Anyhow, uh, but then I put it back on, and I'm amazed at how beautiful all of you look today. But here's the problem. We don't put on our glasses of the resurrection power to understand truly the glory and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, we have a tendency, I think, at churches to just kind of celebrate his power and his authority when? Easter. And yet we should be proclaiming that every single day of our life. Amen? Amen. We should embrace that every single day of our life. That's why I'm here. You know, we, we sing songs, you know, uh, glorious day out of the grave. You know, I ran right out of that grave. Well, if you ran out of the grave, do it more than just in that song. <laughs> Let your family know that you have and will live a victorious Christian life. In ancient times, victorious kings would bring back captives. And what would happen was they would, would have a parade, making a show of them openly. But you see what happened here was that Jesus did this with the devil, putting him on display before three worlds, heaven, hell, and earth. After he defeated him, God gave us this account in the scripture so we in this world would know what happened. That this just isn't a, a story. This just isn't a fictional character. This just wasn't something, a sci-fi movie. This was actual. But we only take a part of the scripture instead of all of the scripture. And we have a tendency to do that in our churches. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 21, God wants us to know what happened in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And the seating of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to know that he has set Christ. And here's what it says. Look at the latter part of this verse. Far above all principality and power and dominion and every name that is named. I, you know, I, I was talking to my wife this morning and I said to her, I said, you know, I find it really interesting. I watch my kids struggle. Because you know why? They'll struggle because they won't give over to the authority and the power that is Christ. See, we, we want to do things in our own intellect. You know, I've watched in our church. And, and, I, and I said, wait a minute, babe. I said, look at this. Far above all principality, power, dominion, and every name that is named. Jesus Christ, who is set right there with God the Father at the right hand that we have access to and can go to. But we never tap into that. I think sometimes we are fearful of the outcome of it. I really do. I believe that we are 
fearful of it. We need to understand that what the source of our authority is. And the source of our authority is found in this where the resurrection and the exalting of Christ by who? By God. By God. Through God. Notice in the 18th verse that the Holy Spirit through Paul prays that the eyes of the Ephesians understanding their spirits might be open to the truths. You know why? Because he wanted all churches, he wanted all believers to be enlightened. And the truth of the authority of the believer, however, is overlooked by many Christians. In fact, most churches don't even know the believer has any authority. You all are looking at me like, Pastor, where are you going with this message? You know, people have called me up on the phone and they've said, Hey, Pastor, I need you to pray over this situation. I said, Well, I want you to know that you can pray the same way I do. That you have the authority, that you have the power. Don't call upon, you know, one person because, for example, we've got New Hope for Recovery and Trish is our ministry leader and Debbie co-leads with her as well. But you, you're going go to the, go to them? No, you've got to go to Christ. You've got to go to Jesus who, who is the one that will answer that prayer and that there is power once we believe in that faith. He, people want to go to the deacon. I remember, you know, way back in the, the first part of our ministry, 18 years ago when we started the church, I thought it was very, very important for me to be able to go and to visit everybody. And so I knew when I lived in Edinburgh, Ohio, and I needed to get to Akron, that was a 35-minute jot. So I got a phone call, got in my car, drove 35 minutes here to Akron, and then back home. Got another phone call at Akron Children's, drove 35 minutes to Akron Children's, then back home. Got another phone call, and I, I had to go back over to Akron General. And so I ended up leaving there, getting back in my car, traveling all the way back over here to Akron. And it was at that moment in my life that I looked back, I said, this, is, this can't work. First of all, we live way too far, and our church is in North Hill, and we need to... We need to be in the area where the church is at. But since then, I have learned that the authority that we have is also with believers. We have a tendency to rely on man instead of God. You've heard me say, don't rely on Todd, rely on God, you know, because that's true. Um, people have gotten mad at me at the church because I didn't show up at, uh, they'll call me. Listen, I have my family that's parked right over here two out of the four girls are in here how many times have i left my food cold at the dinner table and mom had to wrap it up over the years because i got a phone call and you know what people will say when i show up it took you some time to get here <laughs> hi my name is todd and i'm also a dad and guess what it took you some time to realize that you can go to Jesus on your loved one's behalf, too. <laughs> Surprise! But we have a tendency to rely on the pastor or other. Listen, I love and I've, had, I've seen it in our church where people have, I mean, they've embraced it. They said, hold on a minute. I'm going over there. I'm going over there. And they've prayed with those people. I love that because they understand it. Look here with me. What's this say up here? You never will understand the authority of the believer only with your intellect. You must get the spiritual revelation of it, and you must believe it by faith. So let's read together in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to continue to move forward here this morning. And here's what it says. And it says this in verse 1. 
And he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. Listen to this. This, I'll tell you, I could just read this. I told you in the very beginning four weeks ago, three weeks ago when I started this. Read Ephesians over and over again. You will be so enlightened and so it is it's just truly mind-blowing and spirit-blowing when, when you think about what God is doing and, and how Paul is encouraging the church to really embrace the power of Christ. So it says here, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Made us alive together with Christ. And it says, by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Look up here. Put that back up on the screen. Can we read this together as a church? Let's do that. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Next point, the source of our authority. The source of our authority. In the first verse we read, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. You see, here the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul, according to the working of the strength of his might, when he raised him from the dead, and you, when you were dead. Interesting. You see, the same verb in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, that expresses the reviving of Christ from the dead, expresses the reviving of his people in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. In other words, the act of God that raised Christ from the dead also raised his body. In the mind of God, when Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. Wow. Does that make you just stop and ponder on that thought? When Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. Further into the second chapter, we read, even when we were dead in sins, verses 5 and 6, he hath quickened us together with Christ. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, the passage deals with the conferring of this authority. What Jesus is doing is he is granting you and you and you and you. And he's granting you and he's granting you and he's granting you and he's granting you. Think about this. And he's granting each and every one of us all through this building. That's what the word conferring means. So, you know, gladiator times, you know, so he's conferring. He's granting something to you. Wow. I'm not. Listen, 
I'm not hyper-spiritual. I'm not hyper-Pentecostal. I know about the day of Pentecost. I'm not hyper-Baptocostal. I'm not hyper-Methocostal, Catholicostal, all the other costals. I'm hyper. Thank you. I'm just hyper. I'm hyper for Jesus, right? I'm hyper-Jesus. But I also realize that if we don't get fueled up with Jesus, we can't work in the power and authority that we need to work in and that we need to exercise our life in. He granted us his authority. Notice that the head, which is Christ, and the body, which is the church, were raised together. Furthermore, this authority was conferred not only upon the head, but also upon the body. Because the head and the body are one. So when you think of a person, you think of his head, you also think of his body as one. My head isn't laying over here, and my body's over here just flanging around, acting crazy. No, my head's on my shoulders. No, here's the problem. We don't understand the authority and power that Jesus Christ has, and it said that he has seated us with him in heavenly places. That's powerful. I was never taught that as a kid. So I think we were limited on understanding really who we are. So once you become born again, once you're, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it says that you were rose, resurrected with him. You heard it, not from Todd, but from God, that we get to see, sit with him in the heavenly places. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful that we have Christ as the head of this church. And as far as I know, churches believe that we were raised up together with Christ. Why don't they believe that we were made to sit together with him? If part of the verse is so, why don't we believe the whole verse is so? Interesting. This isn't a mystery. It wasn't like, oh, wow, Pastor Todd got enlightened and now it's, it, we, he just unscrambled the word. No, I finally realized what I was never taught. But when you get into the word, you start to see the revelation and understand the body of Christ. And if the church ever gets the revelation that we are the body of Christ, we'll rise up and do the works of Christ. Until now, we've been doing them only limitedly. A little here and a little there. Listen. Look up here. When we realize that the authority that belongs to Christ also belongs to individual members of the body of Christ and that it is available to us and our lives will then be revolutionized. I'm only telling you this because I see it in the scriptures I believe it in the scriptures, and I don't think it's one man's responsibility because I will tell you this, that, you know what, you don't want my hand just over here doing this, and this over here doing this, my foot over there doing that. No, we have to work together as a body. You know, we know the song, we are the body, why are his hands reaching? You know, you, we, we heard the song, I mean, it's real popular, you hear it as you're leaving out of the church today, but, you know, it's, it's a powerful song. But why aren't we doing the work that Christ has? What did he do? He granted to us. 
to be able to do in our life, in our walk as Christians. Woo! Listen to me. If you'll just grab a hold of some anointing oil and go pray over somebody, and you'll have belief to see that God will start to do something great in and through them. What does it say about it? Let's, let's read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. It says, For as the body is one and as many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into what? One body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Now you are the body of Christ and you are members in particular, individually. Thank God that we are the body of Christ. Look to your neighbor and say, hey, hey, we are the body of Christ. <laughs> Thank you. I like it. Hey, now think about this. Now, I'm not going to go so far out here that you guys are going to, you, you'll see, I'll, I'll pull it back in here. Everything is, is done in decency and order, right? Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14 says this, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? One or an infidel, one who doesn't believe. Listen, the believer is called righteousness, and the unbeliever is called unrighteousness. The believer is called light. And the unbeliever, darkness. The believer is called Christ, and the unbeliever is called Belial. The unbeliever is called, and that word actually means wicked or worthless. We're going to move right full speed ahead. Next point, seated with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He made us sit together. He raised us up in heavenly places to be together. It doesn't say just me. It doesn't say just that one guy that's called out over here. Did, did you guys see that with me? Am I making this up or is this in the word? It says us, right? All of us together. We all sit together in heavenly places. Here physically, they're spiritually. Here physically, they're spiritually. Do you see that? 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. We are one with Christ. We are Christ. We are seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. All things have put, put under his feet. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. The trouble with us is that we've preached a cross religion. And we need to preach a throne religion. By that I mean that people have thought that they were supposed to remain at the cross some have been saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and have backed up to the cross. 
They've actually stayed there ever since. They've never understood the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. We've sung this song, near the cross, near the cross. We know the old hymn. Yes, we need to come by the way of the cross for salvation. But we don't need to remain there. Let's go on to Pentecost, the ascension and the throne. And I don't have time to preach on that today. But we start to find the fullness of Christ. You see, what is the cross? The cross is actually a place of defeat. Whereas the resurrection is a place of triumph. When you preach the cross, you're preaching death. And you leave people in death. And I understand that. We died. All right? We've all died, but we're raised with Christ. We're seated with him. And positionally, that's where we are right now. We're seated with Christ in the place of authority in heavenly places. I know this is a lot for you to wrap around your head. I've done a lot of studying over this. Matter of fact, I... uh, And I'll tell you why here in just a minute because people just don't many Christians do not understand Or know anything about the authority of the believer They really don't believe we have any authority Some believe that they're barely saved And they must go through life being dominated by the devil while living on a barely get along street They magnify the devil more than they do God They give the devil credit more than we give our savior And I want you to know today, I'm giving Jesus all my credit. Because you know who's under my feet? Satan. Everything's under my feet. I'm claiming it. I'm living it. The right hand of the throne of God is the center of power of the whole universe. Exercising the power of the throne was committed to the resurrected Lord. The right hand of the throne of God is the center of power of the whole universe. Exercising the power of the throne was committed to the resurrected Lord. Lord. For some of you, you're here, but you're not here. In the Bible, when we speak of God's right hand, he says his righteous right hand. Interesting, isn't it? The power of God. We need to be delivered from the bondage of death and walk in the newness of life. We're not at the cross. We died with Christ, but he has raised us up together with him. Glory to God. And we need to now take our place of authority. So, we know Christ in his physical resurrected body is there in full possession of his rights, awaiting the Father's time when his enemies shall be made his footstool. It says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 13, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The elevation of Christ's people with him into the heavenlies clearly points to the fact that we are to sit with him, sharing not only his throne, but also his authority. And that authority belongs to us, church. That authority belongs to us. No wonder Paul said in his writings in Romans chapter 5 verse 17, For by the one man's offense death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, one, one Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're seated with him in heavenly places, 
but you're operating from the earthly places, then you're functioning from the wrong location. Do you hear what I'm saying? Here's the thing. Authority works where Jesus is ruling. His jurisdiction exists. So I will say this. Our last point today. Maintaining balance. Some of us have exercised a little more authority over the principalities and powers of the air than others. Many of us understand what it's like to to pray over somebody or to go through deliverance or understanding really what what our role and responsibility is. For some of us, we have a lot of spiritual comprehension, and for others, we have very little comprehension. But God wants all of us to have this spiritual comprehension. It's very, very important as we walk in Him. So you see, through all of this, I don't want you to, to abuse or misconstrue what I'm saying. But what I want you to do is I want you to understand the validity of the Word of God and to maintain balance within your life because it can become really out of whack and out of balance. So I'll say this as I, I bring the, the message to a close. The Holy Spirit prayed through Paul that we all might have wisdom, understanding, and authority over the demonic powers and the problems they create through our constant manipulation of men's minds. It seems like it's the most difficult thing in the world for the church to stay balanced. You can take any subject. Listen, I could take any subject, including the authority of the believer, push it to its extreme, and it becomes harmful and causes or ceases to bless other people. It really does. Can you say that for me again, Pastor? Sure, I will. It seems like it's the most difficult thing in the world for the church to stay balanced. You can take any subject, including the authority of the believer, push it to its extreme, and it becomes harmful and ceases to bless. Here's a true story. And I'll say this in closing. Father divine will call him. And many of you know who it is. Was once saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. He had the real thing. Then he began studying these very scriptures we have been studying. And he reasoned, well, if we are Christ, then, then I am Christ. Christ is God, so I am God. He founded a cult that was very popular. And all of the people worshipped him. And it's out west. Some of you know who I'm talking about. It's easy to get in the ditch on either side of the road into excess wildfire and fanaticism. But I want our church to do something that's very, very important. I want you to go down the middle of the road and maintain balance. And I think that's very, very important in, in, in all of life. John Alexander, he was a Scotsman who received a revelation about divine healing while ministering before the turn of the century in Australia. He crossed the ocean many times during his lifetime. He encountered many storms, but said every time a storm came up, he did what Jesus did. He rebuked the storm and it always ceased. You see, we should not be amazed by this because Jesus said, he that believeth on me in John 14, 12. Go ahead. He says, 
most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Someone will ask what the greater works are. Well, first of all, let's just do the work of Jesus first. And then think about the greater works later. Jesus didn't say that only a select few would do these works. He said that those who believe on him would. So let us claim, all of us, that as we study what the Word of God teaches and educate our spirits about the authority of the believer, I believe we'll be able to walk in this great truth more and more. So you'll say, but pastor, how do you do that? It's called this. Transfer and surrender. You have to surrender your life. Give up lordship to Jesus Christ. Remember, all things are under his feet. And understand that he has all power and all authority. And at any time he has the right to veto anything that you're doing. But more importantly, church, he must be the Lord of your life. It's like this. Many of us know what a radio is. Many of us have XM radio. Many of us understand what happens with frequencies. Many of us see it up here on the praise team with frequencies and interrupts our mics. There's an AM station and an FM station. As Christians, I believe that we're always changing frequencies. And I want to encourage you this morning to stop changing the frequency. See, you never experience the whole thing. You never experience the whole song because you've changed the station. I don't want you to do that. And I want to encourage you to do this. Men of God, women of God, people of God, stop it. And understand the authority of the believer. Understand what Jesus will do in and through you. I love my little grand doll. She says to me, Papa, I'm like, yes, Libby. She says, Papa, change this. So Travis and I, when we were together yesterday, she kept saying, change, change it, change it. She always wants to, you know, we, we start, uh, what's his name? Blippy. Lippy watches Blippy. Sometimes I, I want to call it Lippy. Anyhow, so Libby watches Blippy, and she's always, she starts and she wants us to change it. You know why? Because she gets bored with it. That's the same problem that we have. See, we get bored in our walk with Jesus. But you see, if you finally get tuned into it and you stay tuned in and you stop changing the station, you'll come to find the love and the peace and the contentment that you can only find through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you receive that this morning? Hallelujah. Let's all rise to our feet as we pray. Father God, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord. That you have all power, all authority. Lord, and we are not here to take what Ephesians has to say and to abuse it. But Father, today I receive the teachings from your holy word. And I ask you, Father God, that you will continue to speak to the hearts and minds of those in this room. Father, I think we have a, a tendency to, to put all of our, um, our strength all of our, uh, our faith into mankind. Lord, we can't do anything in our intellect, our own intellect. Father, it has to be through you. So, Father, today we receive that we are seated 
in the heavenly places. Father, I'm a born-again Christian. I am your son. And you are the father to the fatherless. And Lord, as I come to you today, Lord, I claim the power and authority that you have granted me and us as a church. So, Father, I'm coming to you because I want to talk to you about our congregation. I want all of us to move in the power and authority together. You said in your word that you don't want me just to do it. Or you don't want a deacon just to do it. Or you don't want somebody who is a ministry leader to, to, to go to somebody. That we as a church should be praying together. Father, I think sometimes in our prayer warriors page, I think, Lord, and, and you know this. We might put a thumbs up or a like because we, we say we're going to pray for somebody. But God, we, you told us to come together as a body of believers to pray together. To see you grant spiritual blessings. Lord, you said it there in Ephesians that the riches are, they're ours. That the spiritual blessings, they are ours. But Father, until we start claiming the goodness of God, Lord, we'll never receive, Lord, the power and authority that comes with Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you that, Lord, you continue to teach us how to move in the Spirit and how to allow Lord, these teachings to help each and every one of us as we have loved ones that truly need guidance and direction and deliverance and help. So, Lord, help me to move in surrender and in respect of your position. God, I can't do this without you. And so, God, I come before you humbly, you heard my prayer this morning. Lord, as I was reading that scripture, I, I couldn't help but think to myself, Lord, you said that we're over every principality, that everything is underneath us. And so, God, this year, in 2023, you heard me pray a simple prayer, Lord, that changed the course of my life. And so, God, I, I give you the credit, and I thank you for that. And I thank you that back in the fall, you taught me through your Holy Spirit on what I need to do. And Lord, you answered that prayer because you heard my cry. And so God, today I claim the power and the authority that is ours. And Lord, I thank you that I can stand up here just a vessel, part of your body to do what you want us to do, to de- heal to allow the blind to see, the lame to walk, to allow miracles to take place, Lord, that, Lord, we can't do in our own or on our own, but only through your power and your authority. And so I surrender that to you. I give it to you, God. And in this church, there are many that are in this room that have requests, and I'm on their behalf because you said us. I'm bringing it to you. You know their hearts. You know their unspoken requests. So God, help them. Let them feel your presence. Let them know that others aren't just saying they're praying. They are praying because we accept and receive the authority that is yours in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Encourage us, Father. In Jesus' name.